This episode is brought to you in part by our Major Spoilers VIP members around the world. Thank you for your support of Major Spoilers and the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you'd like to become a bronze, silver, or gold VIP member, go to members.majorspoilers.com and sign up today. Thank you in advance. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Zach. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, it's a sugar-dipped, jelly-filled, chocolate-coated with sprinkles-on-top issue with Spy Guys, Squirrel Girl, Radio Gaga, and Monsters at Go-Go, plus a new cap, some old flashes, and the proverbial galaxy far, far away. With a pocket full of kryptonite and a song in our hearts and some really weird gunk on our shoes, we've come to talk Gotham Central and chew bubblegum. Good thing Zach's here because we got plenty of bubble gum and some candy bracelets because the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome to issue 594 of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing this episode with a friend. And right off the top, I want to thank everybody. Everybody out there who's listening far and wide. Everyone who's been using our Amazon uh, link over at Majorspoilers.com. Yeah. This is yeah. one of our main funding sources. And people all the time are like, well, Steven, I can't I can't afford to become a major spoilers VIP, even though it's only two dollars a month, or I can't uh, you know, I, I don't have enough to go buy any of the merchandise over at the uh big cartel store that you guys have set up. Uh, but is there some other way that I can help you? And the easy answer is hey, if you're gonna buy something from Amazon, doesn't matter if it's a new pair of shorts. Some baby formula, diapers, big screen TV, video camera, whatever it may be. Everybody who uses that link over there at Amazon.com through the Majorspoilers.com website, when you use that, Amazon kicks back a little bit our way. And the more people use Amazon, the more things that get purchased, more money comes back our way and allows us to do shows week after week after week. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For everyone who is using that because... I got to tell you, I'll be completely honest with you. September is the month where there's huge financial drains at major spoilers because of server costs that, that come up renewals on other things that come up and it costs us in the several thousands of dollars. And those of you using batteries in Rodrigo. Yeah. Those, and that's why he's down this week. Mm -hmm. Those things are like a thousand a pop. I don't even know, man. So for those of you who are using the amazon.com link, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And if you haven't used it, please consider using it. I know some of you who are outside of the United States want to use that link. And I, I really thank you for showing your support that way. I just wish Amazon hadn't changed their terms. Yeah. I wish it was still international, but Hey, you got to go by their terms, right? I guess. So uh, let's get everybody. Let's get everybody. 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 All 30,000 of you out there. Everybody. To uh, start using that link. And uh, I tell you what, I tell you what, here's, here's the thing. Here's, here's three things that we can do. If you want to eliminate all ads in our podcasts, three things you can do. What? We can triple the number of sales going through our Amazon link. Look at that. We can double the number of people that we have in our major spoilers VIPs. And right now we have got 688 VIPs. That's up uh, another 15 from last week. Nice. So that's really good. Um, or we could win the lottery. Oh, we could rig the lottery. <laughs> I don't think that that works that way, Zach. I've Harry Mason, does. Harry Mason won't let you rig the lottery. You got to rig it and then you got to hide really well. <laughs> <laughs> you 
going to do that on the podcast, Zach? Well, we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do it. Go to a different it's country. It's hard to hide when you're on the show. Hey, you know what? Time. If we go to say South Korea, we move to South Korea and we do the show. It'll come out a day earlier than it already does because we're recording. But here's the problem. <laughs> here's the problem. We do something like this, and James Bond is going to come and get us. That's true. James yes. Bond and but, the, the, the Central Organization of Police Specialists and Bouncing Boy. If, so here's come. here's what here's some of the big news that came out today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dynamite Entertainment has struck a partnership with Ian Fleming Publications <gasps> to um to publish the 14 James Bonds books. Oh wow! Okay. Mm-hmm. Under the agreement, uh, Dynamite has been granted worldwide rights to publish comic books, digital comics, and graphic novels starring 007's Fleming's iconic secret agent. Uh, wow. he'll, we will relive the exploits that have thrilled and captivated fans for half a century in a fresh visual adaptations of the classic Bond stories, which is interesting because um, I believe Titan Comics. No, um, crap. Who is it? I forget which. Bo- oh, Hermes Press. Somebody, maybe that's who it is. Yeah, it's Hermes Press it or Hermes. Titan Comics. I forget which one. Um, but they've been republishing the old James Bond comic strips. Did there used to be James Bond stuff? Yeah, and they'd have adaptations of all the stories. So if really? it was like Live and Let Die or Spy Who Loved Me, I got a couple of them over here that are really, really good. Interesting. So it looks like we're going to get retakes on those, which will be kind of neat. Also, Dynamite has plans to create a series of brand new adventures, unveiling the defining and largely undocumented early years of Bond's <laughs> career. So that means they're going to go, was they're gonna go off book. Went off to the yes. Off book. Huh? Yes. So well, we will, I don't know we will see what happened before his book. life in Casino Royale. I thought that Fleming had an origin somewhere that maybe never got published. I don't yes. know. Ooh. I don't know my James Bond. Bond's origin is basically in Fleming's life. Oh, also mixed in with, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Christopher guy, Lee. The from the Do- Christopher Lee. Oh, yes. I thought it was the guy. You don't know that story? No, you know I thought story? it was the guy from the Dosa Keys commercials you, yeah, the Dosekis, yeah. <laughs> the interesting man in the world. <laughs> do you know the story of uh, christopher lee oh so the guy christopher the guy, lee saruman yeah saruman yes, saruman oh man that's yes. awesome dracula dracula the guy and... who made his own heavy death metal album in his 80s yes at the yeah. age of like 92 yeah, yeah. so he was he is related to ian fleming they're like yes. cousins or something okay um and so christopher lee was in World War II mm-hmm. in some kind of top secret position. Seriously? I believe he was he was in the the perhaps the OSS or something. He was like in that. something like that. And during the filming of, and I don't remember if it was Star Wars or if it was The Hobbit, mm-hmm. the crew was joking around and asking him about his his life Star during Wars. World War II. Oh yeah, he's, he plays he's, 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 yeah, he's Dooku. A Dooku, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he yeah. said, well, I tell you, but I have to kill you. And he gets really serious about it, meaning that the stuff that he has done is so top secret that no one knows what he did during World War II. What the heck? Now, speculation is that because he and Ian Fleming were such good, had good relations with each other, uh-huh. would swap war stories, no that Ian Fleming based James Bond on Christopher Lee, Lee's life. Oh my and God. did you, did you know he played, uh, he played a Bond villain, Zach? Didn't he also play, uh, he, Dr. Who? Uh, no, you're thinking of Peter Cushing. Oh, Peter Cushing. Okay. Christopher Lee played Scaramanga in the man with a golden gun. Yes. Oh, but what's interesting is, and uh, this is a story that I hear enough that it may be apocryphal, but supposedly at one point he's on a movie set and somebody is getting stabbed in the back oh, and yes, screaming. That's the, yes. Mm-hmm. And Christopher Lee is like, gentlemen. That's not correct. That's yeah. my Sean Connery. Yeah. I don't have a Basically, Lee. he's saying that 
Yeah, that's he, not he what explains would to them that someone stabbed in the back like that would not be able to scream, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh yeah, how do you know, Christopher?" And he's like, "I know." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my that's my Christopher Lee. So this guy is like the coolest ever. I Christopher mean, Lee's yeah, crazy. Yeah, I I've never I've never heard any of that stuff before. I just thought that's just the, the guy who plays all the old evil villains. Like a genuine badass. So. Yeah, yeah, man, definitely a badass. Oh yeah. So uh, we got some uh, new James Bond comics coming our way. You remember the I'm Marvel? Remember the Marvel movie adaptations? Those oversized comics from back <sighs> in the eighties. You can't. No, no. Was, and those weren't the, even uh, good Bond movies. Eh, like, you know, yeah, they did. Uh, what was it? Uh, Thunderball. No, they did, no, no, no. Thunderball. Well, a good the movie. the one that they, they remade the, is Thunderball. They the, did the one with um, Octopussy. They did Octopussy, yeah, which I remember that one. <laughs> the one and with they the octopus. Did, yeah, yeah. I swear they did the one that was the remake of Thunderball. Never say never again. They may have. Maybe. I only remember Octopussy because I remember being on a uh, one of my famous family summer three-week vacations. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And we were in a store and I was like so bored because my mom had loaded me up with like Huckleberry Finn, Little Women, uh, uh. what you know, um, uh, Treasure Island, and, all and these it, books. It, to and on the same rack of, of, of Life on the Prairie is Octopussy. You know, there, like, so there was, there was Octopussy <laughs> was a comic, and then I think it was also on that same trip that I got that uh, one World's Finest that I always talk about. Mm-hmm. But I remember towards Gosh. the end of that trip, on the way back, I saw Octopussy, and I was like, Mom, can you just please buy this <laughs> as James Bond? And Mom and Dad really liked James Bond. Oh, cool. And so they're like, yeah, okay, fine. As long as it'll shut you up. <laughs> they, had to, like, they had to pull it out of the plastic wrapper because it was no, in no, the back, no, the no, back no, of no. the thing. <laughs> but I, you know, I did, I think it was like a four or five dollar book. Really? Back then that's, in the eighties. Yeah, that's, but, that's big. And was it was it the not, giant size? Yeah, giant size. So it's it's like yeah. magazine size. Oh, format. okay, okay. Those were the, they were like two ninety five. Yeah, I didn't hear the end of that, man. That's two ninety five. <laughs> we could buy peanut butter for the rest of this trip on two ninety five. Man, peanut butter is good. Yeah. And now a regular comic book costs three ninety nine. I know. See, mom, you actually Girl. saved money on new James yeah. Bond comics. Yeah, mom. Uh, let's see. Mom. The first Bond book will launch in two thousand fifteen. Is that the first story? I don't know what they're going to start with. What's the first book? Casino, I know Doctor Casino, no, Casino, Casino Royale. Casino Royale. Okay. Yeah, I love that one uh, with Marty Feldman. <laughs> no, not Mart. <laughs> it wasn't Marty Feldman. It was uh, uh, Woody Allen. <laughs> I and Marty Feldman was in Casino Royale. Oh, wasn't he? Okay. I so swear. Was, uh, so was uh, Daniel uh, Craig. A different. So Peter, see, there's two uh, different. There's two different Casino Royales. Uh, Matthew and I remember a Woody Allen yes. Casino Royale. What? Yes, from back. Yeah. James like, Bond. Yes, James Bond. Woody it was Allen. Actually, it was like, like, was he playing James Bond or was he playing like James Bond? Everybody in that movie was playing James Bond. <laughs> Because David Niven was yes, in David it, and Niven, Peter yes. Sellers was in it, and basically everybody was pretending to be James Bond, and yes. the whole thing is is a big send up. Yes, David because Niven at the time they had the they had parceled Bond. out the book rights separately. Yes. Oh, so but it who had, was the it Bond? had Vesper in it, and it David had Niven. Money Penny. Oh, you only, only do that one. Woody Allen was was his nephew. Oh, nephew. Okay, that's right. Yeah, Jimmy Bond. David Niven was was James Bond. But yeah, everybody was in that movie. There were like tons the, of people. The film slogan, Casino Royale is too much for one James Bond. <laughs> awesome. There are six agents pretending to be James Bond. You um, totally need to check it out, man. Peter it's Sellers. Like 67. Ursula Andres. Oh, yes. Barbara Boucher. Mm-hmm. Um, Joanne, what is it? Pettit. Terrence okay. Cooper. And Dahlia Lavi. Oh my God. No, listen. Here's the movie. You use that same tagline. 
Was it's too big for one bond or whatever? Yes. Too much for one bond. Yes. All right. And with the latest movie, yes, that's what they should have done. The, the theory movie. is like there, James Bond isn't one person. It's like a a passed yes. down thing. Well, the, you bring them all back Doctor Who style. There you go. Yes. Yeah. Well, a, that's kind of what they they who, take on all the job. They there. kind of did that in this <laughs> this recent movie with uh, Sean Connery as the uh, caretaker. Interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's at, right. At the end, he came he out there. and he's yeah. like, "Yes, this painting is called." Well, you know the, the Gallifrey Falls no more. <laughs> <laughs> there is the 007 is is just his number. So if James right. Bond were to die, someone else would inherit that 007 right. title. The double O's are the license to kill. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's just the seventh one to in that line. There's right. a 001, 002, the, the 006 is in Goldeneye. Yes, yes, that that that's exactly. my uh, that's my uh, first actor to. Link you to the Doctor Who 007 crossover webcomic, oh, okay. where the various incarnations of the Doctor team up with the various James Bond. <laughs> Roger Moore and John Pertwee are out there together. Oh, it's yeah. That would actually That's be awesome. a very awesome team up. That would be pretty cool. It's, it's unfinished. And basically what, what happens is it starts out with the 10th Doctor meeting Daniel Craig and saying, oh, oh I man. remember you from our days on Gallifrey. And explaining how he's a great spy because he has a perception filter that he can trigger by saying his name. Bond. James Bond. And then you forget that he's a spy. That's why James Bond is such a good spy. What about uh, Squirrel Girl? Is she the greatest Marvel superhero? Yes. Why? (laughs) Unequivocally so. Well, I mean, besides beating Thanos, Thanos, Wolverine, Doctor Doom, Deadpool, Fing Fang Foom. Mm Mm-hmm. She was created by Steve Ditko, just yeah. like Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Mm, okay. um, she's an Avenger. Yeah. She was. She the, uh, she's uh, the daughter of, um, what is it, Iron Fist and um, who is she the daughter of? I don't know. She was the caretaker of the daughter of Luke Cage and oh, uh, yeah, okay, okay. Jessica Jones. There she was the babysitter. Yeah, babysitter. Squirrel Girl is one of my favorite characters because the whole thing about Squirrel Girl is she is a character that in-universe – is amazing. And her whole gimmick is you look at her and you're like, she's just a goof. But in universe, she is like the greatest superhero of them all. It's a really neat concept. It's, I know that's a, it's a great concept and it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Why then is Marvel waiting this long to do the unbeatable squirrel girl coming in January? Well, you remember how Deadpool started out in the pages of new mutants as a poorly drawn caricature with no feet. Yeah. I don't remember that. No. Okay. In 1987, Deadpool started out in an issue of New I'm Mutants. I'm more interested in Squirrel Girl. Now, stay with me here. Because, I mean, why, why are they not, later, why are not they trucking her out every time that they have to face down Galactus or every time that they have to face down the Skrull or whatever? Guys, they because just made the biggest movie of the year with a talking starring raccoon. a raccoon. <laughs> yeah, they're, exactly. they're putting, putting all the money in rodents right now. Dupe had also his own female. five issues. Characters, yeah. Marvel is cleaning out the co- the coffers of everybody who's got that cool kind of rocket raccoon cachet, and they're just throwing it all at the wall. But Squirrel Girl is awesome. Man, yeah, no, I've never heard of Squirrel Girl, but then the internet exploded when they announced this book, and Dude, I'm totally like, this is interesting. It's just a different looking, like, mold of like superhero characters like there's this mm-hmm. mold of like dudes and then like mold of women and it's like this is not uh, this is, looks like a person outside of that mold but well, wasn't, so, she, wasn't and she created as somewhat of a as a as a gag well yes and no i mean her very first appearance was that i that i remember anyway i believe her first appearance was in an issue of like marvel superheroes which was 
an anthology book dedicated to cleaning out Marvel's drawers of things <laughs> that they didn't know what else to do with. But the thing about Squirrel Girl is in her first appearance, she defeated Doctor Doom. Right. And Iron Man failed. And the whole point of that story was, oh, I'm Iron Man, I'm unstoppable, and this little girl superhero taught me a thing or two. And that, in you know the way that comics go, has kind of become her shtick. She's super, she's like hyper-competent, incredibly effective, and people writing the stories are in on the joke. So like when Deadpool looks at the camera and says chimichangas, right. it's the exact same thing. When Rocket Raccoon is, you know, sitting there and making the plan and Groot walks over and rips the thing off the wall and sets the plan into motion early. It's tying into that, you know, that early Marvel thing where you mm -hmm. can be kind of goofy yeah. and still be awesome. You don't have to be all dark and broody Batman. Well, you don't have to be here. Here's what's already happening. First appearance of squirrel girl, Marvel superheroes, number eight, volume two, mm -hmm. uh, already going for a hundred dollars on eBay. Wow. Yep, That's 90, 95, 95 bucks is what it's going for. That's Does back Squirrel when Girl Iron Man's powers? armor was really ugly. She has Squirrel power Girl has several squirrels. That's awesome. She has uh, superhuman agility and strength. She has a knuckle spike and claws. And she's actually a pretty good fighter type, too. That's cool. I want to say she has Wolverine reflexes. Nice. She'll uh, probably end up getting uh, a healing factor because, you know, like you do. Well, now that it, Wolverine's gone and they're officially... Yeah. What do you guys think about... Um, Marvel officially canceling Fantastic Four as a comic. Man. Uh, I'm thrown. I, I think it's, it's uh, a, the final issue is like is titled Fantastic Forever or something like that. For, forever. Yeah. yeah. I, I imagine based on based on the arc of this and the, the rumor mills. I imagine that the rumor mills have been right from the beginning that they're going to cancel it okay. and it'll come back after that movie is done. Ew. But the problem is, <laughs> if this movie hits, then well, they they gonna bring it back in between the movies? Are they gonna yeah, cancel it every time a new movie comes out for six months? Here's, and then here's the, the thing issue the will Fantastic be canceled. Four. The issue the issue will be canceled with a triple sized yeah six forty five. The cost us eight ninety nine. Rumor twelve. Rumor rumor things I read was a lot of a big head at Marvel is like. Taking down everything Fantastic Four in the building, oh, all the posters also, are all—they're yeah. all just so mad. They're all—he's so upset about it. He doesn't want to see anything. And there's also been a dictate that says um, creators yeah. are no longer to create their own X-Men characters anymore. Either. Fantastic Four. The thing oh, about oh, X-Men characters? characters? Oh, really? Like, like when, they're, when they're at uh, they're like Fox. artist galleries at the cons, they, they can't do. Well, they just don't want—they don't want people to create, you know, like. Um, um, a new Wolverine. Long-tongue flasher oh, mutant Gotcha, guy. gotcha, gotcha. But the thing about the Fantastic Four that's problematic, and you know, I've said this before and I get shot down for it, but I, I stand by it. The Fantastic Four have not been as cool as they are historically important in a long time. And oh, I would the, agree with the you. Seri there. The series goes peaks and valleys, and you'll have moments where it's like, bam, superstar artist on it, and everybody's all about Fantastic Four. But then their arc is over, and people are like, oh, well, I, I don't care about this anymore. People, are, you know, people don't necessarily pop for new Fantastic Four stories. People remember 105 issues of Stan and Jack, mm. or Jack and also Stan, depending on who you believe, you know, writing the awesome stories and, and really exploring the Marvel Universe and kind of setting the tone for everything that would come later. But you know, Fantastic Four, when I was a kid in the 70s, 
was crap. Yeah. So do you and think, then what was what's the uh, what's the uh, DC comic with the guys in the purple jumpsuits? Uh, Challengers, Challengers, of the Challengers of the Unknown. If Fantastic yeah. Four would be more like Challengers of the Unknown, where they're going and actually investigating and doing weird, crazy stuff <laughs> and using their powers, it might be a little bit more interesting. Challengers of the Unknown has been canceled seven times. Yeah, but come on. Give it to the Fantastic Four. Maybe they can do it right. Well, John Byrne did Fantastic Four exploring and running around in the negative zone, and it was a huge hit in the 80s. Yeah, I remember that. And then somebody else came in, and they're like, we're going to go back to more traditional superheroics, and people went, okay, maybe not. More mole men, please. What were you going to say, Zach? I was going to say, do you think it's just, because I mean, they're not canceling X-Men. X-Men's owned by another studio for the movie rights. Is it just like, uh, because Fox ended up doing... Fantastic Four, because rights were going to revert, weren't they? Back right. to Marvel, mm-hmm. and then they put this Supposed in production and kind right. of like gave Stayed Marvel the finger, yeah, and did this, and now they're is that what they're just upset about? I don't because I mean Marvel, I mean I can't get into yeah, I can't get into I can't, I can't, I can't imagine or whoever. Uh, Marvel's not going to make money off of Fantastic Four movie. Well, but see, there's, here's the thing that people keep forgetting is that that's right. 20th Century Fox does own Fantastic Four, um, or yeah, yeah, and uh, who owns the uh, X Men's? Fox. 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 Fox, too. Fox has oh, X-Men okay. and, Fox and Fantastic Four. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Sony has Spider-Man. Sony has Spider-Man. Sony people, has keep Spider- for, keep, people keep forgetting that Marvel Studios is still in partnered with these yeah. guys. So Kevin Feige, uh, what, what did we say his name was? Feige. 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 No, it's Feige. Oh, is it? Feige. Rhymes with Pige. That's how I remember How is that even a word? I just, I heard <laughs> it. name, Zach? Feige rhymes with Pige. Oh, Pige. Your last name is Wolf. I gotcha. So... He's still executive producer on those movies. Yeah. Marvel's still making money off of those movies. I know. I don't get it either. I do. To a degree. I I do too. Here's the thing. X-Men consists of what? 17 titles right now. Yeah. X-Men, Wolverine, Uncanny, other X-Men, crazy X-Men. Wolverine's book is still around. He's just not in it. It's like the Logan legacy oh, now, yeah, and I'm like sure with, uh, we're going to see one of his, yeah, one of his kids is going to put on a Wolverine suit, and we're going to have 15 issues of, of another Wolverine. But Ooh, that's, like, that's like a whole corner of the Marvel Universe. Oh, Fantastic yeah. Four is one book that doesn't always sell well. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll bet you, if the rumors are true that somebody look, wants yeah. to shut down Fantastic Four, I'll bet that somebody also wants to shut down X-Men but it's, there's there's no way they have the authority it to would be do much, that. I think it would be much harder for them to shut down, as you said, yes. shut down X-Men. Um, but, you <laughs> so know, they are, they are Wolverine killing, goes one, two on their books and They September. are killing yeah. off uh, Wolverine. So let's look at, uh, yeah, for Death of Wolverine did go number one and two in September with uh, all the other Futures Ends filling out the uh, the other top ten, uh, with the exception of Original Sin number eight, which I think was the final issue there, right? Man, if, there is, if there's any indication... Uh, how much number ones sell? Like, if you look at the, s- <laughs> the sale numbers in September, number one is twice as many as number two Fan- is for Death of Wolverine. Fantastic Four just barely cracked the top one hundred at number ninety eight with Fantastic yep. Four issue number ten. Well, so I'll that's bet you still, the lowest selling X book is probably that's still, still in probably the top twenty thousand. Probably mm-hmm. is probably what that is. And that's the thing, Zach. People will tell you, and I'll tell you from experience, drop off from an issue one to an issue two is almost 50%. Yeah. You can use that as a solid rule of thumb. Well, you can see that again. Drop. You yeah. can see that in the in the solicitations or the uh, uh, rundown of the top 300 that we have at Major Spoilers. The index is based on, they, they have this index number, and the way I understand it is that is based on Batman, Batman which is, which, is which they a uh, long time ago yeah. just said Batman consistently sells this number 
So this is what we're going to use as the mark. Mm-hmm. So anything that sells above, and we could use a number like 100,000, yeah. then that index number goes up. So when we look at Batman Futures End, and it's right at the 100 mark for the index, then we look at Death of Wolverine number two, which is 101.7. And then you look at the Death of Wolverine number one, 204.95. <laughs> so yes, definitely yeah. twice. Yeah. There's a, there's Twice the number of copies sold. There, it, it, Marvel's not doing number ones every other week just to piss you off. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Well, and you know, I, I've said it before. What Marvel's doing makes sense to me. It does now because Marvel is basically doing arcs of limited yep. series yep. now. And you know that if you buy Captain America number twenty five coming up later in the show, the last issue of that arc, you know, you're going to have a story that goes from one to twenty five and ends. Yep, sort mm-hmm. of. And then a new volume comes I'm, out. I I'm just telling that. you, we are we are less than a year away. No, we're probably exactly a year away from either DC or Marvel saying, here's your brand new Wolverine book, mm-hmm. whatever it is, whatever their title is. And it's going to be 300 pages. Oh. And we'll see you again in three to six months <laughs> with the next volume. You think we're going to go to the Shonen Jump? I think we are. Model. I think it's going to be, here is Wolverine number, here's Wolverine volume one. Mm-hmm. Number one. It's 345 pages. Enjoy it. We'll see you in six months when we've got another twenty nine ninety five Instead of writing. 300 page book. You're still writing for the trade, but then you're going straight to trade. You're going right? straight mm-hmm. to the trade. Mm, it'll be interesting to see. Your, we are, your we are a year have away. A, have a remarkable way of coming true. I th- well, four ninety nine for Batman, $5 book for you- Batman. Yeah, I wouldn't pay five dollars for Batman. Man, I don't think I'm. Well, that's not true. I did pay five bucks for that issue of Batman where they had the Beatles thing, where they had a Paul is dead mystery. Oh yeah, from 1972. But I paid that so that I could, you know, put it on the site, and you should totally look it up because it's really funny. Here's turns out Paul was not dead. Everybody else was dead. Here's Uh, a part of the show where Zach and I get a geek out about the podcast for a minute. Okay, you love Thrilling Adventure Hour. Do you listen to that? Uh, I know, no, I know D.D. Brian listens I, to that. I never have, but I know Paul F. Tompkins is a ma- as a regular contributor, yeah. and I think he's a wonderful, uh, funny man. He, he's think, a, doesn't he do Sparks Nevada's voice? I forget which I, one I don't is. remember. I, I do believe I read a Thrilling Adventure Hour comic. Yeah, there was a one. long, probably about a year or something ago. Yes, and that was on from Monkey, Monkey Brain. Brain. Yes. And I didn't know... Thrilling Adventure Hour was actually a podcast at that time. Yes. So Thrilling Adventure Hour is a, it's a live podcast that they do in the style of old time radio. And Mm -hmm. they record it before a live studio audience. And then they break those episodes into like two or three episodes that they then release or four episodes that they release over the month. Mm -hmm. And then you get those from their (laughs) Thrilling Adventure Hour. They they have, they have different things. They have a lot of celebrities that come on and do voices. They do. I think uh, they really took off when Nathan Fillion came on Mm -hmm. as a recurring character. Um, doing voices, but yeah, they've had Patton Oswalt. They've had, I mean, just, they have a long list of people that are doing it. Um, and they usually have them broken down into, um, Sparks, Nevada, Marshall on Mars, which is really great. (laughs) And for the longest time, I'm trying to figure out where, um, where Tompkins is, is doing it, what his character is. Look that up real quick. (laughs) But I love the Sparks, Nevada stories, Marshall on Mars. I think you dig them too, uh, Matthew. And then they do another one. Uh, that I, I dig a whole lot, which is the um, uh, Beyond Belief with Frank and Sadie Doyle, who are it. It's kind of, you know all these things take place in like the 1930ish type thing, but Frank and Sadie Doyle are the upper crust, constantly drunk, but they're always dealing with um, the supernatural, and it's hysterically funny. 
And now we find out that uh, Ben Blacker and Blen- Ben Acker are bringing the thrilling adventure hour to Image Comics with uh, Sparks Nevada, Marshall on Mars, and Beyond Belief. Paul F. Compton's work juice player. That's what Beyond. it says. Okay. The makers of fantastic cigarettes, long in the leaf and so short I guess in the I'm cab. I'm the one that's going to geek out about this because I think this is fantastic. I really want to oh, see. Yeah. This is really important. A lot of people ask, um, well, Stephen, how come Critical Hit hasn't been turned into a comic book or anything? Well, number one, we haven't found the right way that we want to approach that. But number two, Monkey Brain Comics can always contact us. And uh, Number two is you have to realize that someone like um, the Thrilling Adventure Hour and Red Panda Adventures, um, Dakota Ring Theater, they've been doing stuff a lot longer than we have. Um, Thrilling Adventure Hour, I think, has been around for a decade right. Tom, Tomkins is Frank Doyle. Yeah, Frank Doyle. He's great. I love it. You got to listen to this, Zach. I I'm think you'll enjoy it. Um, but um, these guys have been around for over a decade doing this stuff, and they're just now cracking into comics. Um, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. it's fascinating to see them jump from podcasts to comic books. Oh, yeah. If you like Nerdist, do you listen do. to the Nerdist Writers Panel? I do. Hosted by, I think it's Ben Blacker. Blacker. Hosted by Ben Blacker. He's the writer on mm-hmm. these shows. Awesome. So there you go, Zach. And didn't Thrilling Adventure Hour just do a crossover with Night Vale? With Night vale? Which you have to pay a premium for on do iTunes. You? Like four ninety five for the episode, I think. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, man, no, that's yeah. probably worth it. Yeah. And apparently they're, I don't know if it's totally true, but I think we may be seeing a Night Vale comic coming our way. That would be, like, that is something I would go nuts over. I bet people would buy that in, in oh, droves yeah. just because there's this huge Night Vale audience. Yeah, man. That if you said, hey, there's comic books based on Night Vale, people would, would swarm to get those. Yeah. My bet is that they would swarm if it was a digital comic. Probably they would yeah. not swarm to a comic shop. No, probably not. Which is sad. But yeah, the, 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 the crossover between narrative podcasts and comic book is certainly interesting. And I, I really like the uh, Adventures of the Red Panda yeah. comic that's been having. Mm-hmm. That was really good. And I mm-hmm. thought it really captured uh, the essence of the show and it transferred well onto the page with actual pictures. Yes. So... And I remember liking that Monkey Brain comic, and the art was really nice. So I don't know if the talent on that will be it in this one. It but, doesn't uh, say. It just says the two comics are coming. So that'd be cool. check it out. Coming in 2015. New York Comic Con is going on this weekend, so I expect we'll see a whole lot of other stories popping up on the site this weekend. You geared up to uh, write stories, Zach? Let's see. This weekend, no, I don't even do with my wife. I don't think I'm doing anything this weekend. <laughs> Good Saturday. Be there. <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> and listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com for these stories and many, 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 many more, including uh, brand new uh, Red Shirt Diaries. Man, that show has been well awesome. as uh, Jason breaks down the best Thor arcs ever. And a couple of other things up there. Oh, there's a Zach plays. What's Cosmocoria? Cosmocoria is a new game that's currently in alpha stage. You can get an early release from Steam. Essentially, you're a naked man in space. What? How do you live? How do you breathe? <laughs> I don't know. You have a, you have a helmet, and you, How do you keep your you, lower extremities from freezing off. That is a question that has not been yet been answered in the game. Okay, it's a roguelike game, meaning you play once, you play it until you die. You ah, come back okay. and you get coins. You this is like that uh, stuff, like that castle endless quest. Thing uh, that you were yeah, kind of like that. I mean, different different play style, but same same mechanic in that kind of sense. Upgrades and stuff. Oh yeah, uh, you're going and you're trying to. Uh, plant seeds on planets because the universe of something has been destroyed. Trying to make the planets more beautiful, and a story unfolds uh, at the farther you get along. If you find the right planets and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, it's super early. Like it's 
like version 0.126 is the thing I recorded. Oh, okay. And uh, like it just got a Kickstarter and he's popping up on Alpha. Apparently so they were still impressed to go. you did. They, apparently they were impressed you did Zach play on that. Yeah, that was cool to, to hear from them. Uh, it's one guy who's been making it by himself and all the art, all the coding and everything. Uh, but it's a really fun game. It's like nine ninety nine on Steam. I think it's worth it. I've been playing it. Cool. And it's good times. Well, so listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com and check the video out there. Or you can head over to our YouTube channel, Major <laughs> yeah. Spoilers Video. That's our YouTube channel. And uh, if you're into Dungeons & Dragons, you want to see what these new miniatures look like. I unboxed two boxes of Absolutely. the new 5th edition miniatures that WizKids and NECA are putting out. And uh, you can get a close up, and the reactions have been fairly mixed. Yeah, they've been they've been and I mixed. I'm going to say I do not disagree with those people who are saying the little figures look uh, kind of yeah. Go go shoddy. watch the video and see them yourself. Didn't see, I you know I'll just say this: yes. I have seen a lots of painted miniatures, and yes. I don't see any higher quality output in these miniatures. Mm. Oh, someone. <laughs> Someone in the, in, the, in the negative response of this, I've seen a lot of positive. Someone said, maybe they should get someone to paint with inside the lines on the smaller figures. Oh, well, yeah. snap. <laughs> so, you know, the thing is, when you look at the picture that I have in the video, mm-hmm. that's like an extreme close-up. Yeah. You really, I mean, I can't even get my eyeball close enough and focus close enough on this figure to give you the same framing that you see in that video. Yeah. So you are really seeing Getting all the warts and everything yeah. when you see those close-ups. In fact... This is this is how bad my eyes are getting, I guess. I can't I can't even read the the lettering on the bottom of those things. Now that one maybe you can can see what it is. Um but it is pretty tiny and hard to see. I got my magnifying glass out, still couldn't read what was on there. I had to wow. I had to go and get my camera. No, I had to go get my camera and do a, a zoom in on that thing, yeah. take a picture, then bring it into Photoshop and blow it up even larger. So I could make out what those letters are on the bottom. Yeah, you totally have to get in the right light. And it's, it's just it's, you like, have to be in the super right light for that. Yeah, I can read it, but only if I tilt it up at the right angle yeah, to yeah. the sun. Yeah, the holy sun holy. is not up right now. So. so head over to our YouTube channel, Major Spoilers <laughs> Video. Catch all the action and fun over there. Don't tell everybody the sun's not up. They don't need to know that we record in advance. <laughs> Let us do some reviews. A review. So this week from IDW Publishing comes this new series called October Faction. October Faction number one, written by cool. Steve Niles, art by Damian Worm. And I saw this because I kind of like the the cover was like this guy standing in front of a chalkboard with all these monster names written all over the place. I was like, ooh, this sounds like it might be right up my alley. And what we do is we are introduced to the ongoing adventures of a retired monster hunter named Frederick Allen and his family which includes a thrill killer, a witch, and a warlock. Hmm. But as we're introduced to these characters, we're also introduced to Frank's former um, partner from way back in the day and something that happened way back in the day where apparently they got involved with vampires. Some vampire thing went down Mm -hmm. and it shook them up so much, but they got such a huge payoff for doing the job that they've pretty much gone into semi-retirement. Now, Frank doesn't want or sorry, Frederick doesn't want his uh, kids to follow uh, with him. And okay. they desperately want to be and do the things that is that their dad does. So uh, what one of them has done is conjured a magic circle in his bedroom and has trapped an evil something in his closet. <laughs> That's one thing. And then there's some questioning about what's going on with the guy's wife. Is she stepping out on him? Are they, they're not getting along, obviously. And what she unlocks at the last panel of this book is a little crazy. That's all I'm going to say right there. Mm. Mm. 
So I don't know what her deal is. It's an interesting book. It really is. I am, I like very traditional art in my comics. And when it goes too outside of that norm, it, it troubles me. Damien Worm does a really good job with his art and his style. If I were to say what it reminds me of, it reminds me a lot of Ben Templesmith. It reminds me a lot of, uh, what was that book back in the day? Um, Arkham Asylum, the hardcover uh-huh. bound book. With Dave who, McKeon. Dave McKeon. It kind of reminds me of that art. Um, it's not horrible. It's just very different. It's, it's, it's kind of reminds me of Ben Templesmith's art. And a stylized um, impressionist. Very, stuff. very stylized, very impressionistic. In a couple of cases, it, it threw me a couple of times in what actually was going on. And that kind of let me down a little bit. Now, again, I'm not saying that the art is terrible. It's just not the kind of comic book art that I really, 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 really dig, but it's good. And, um, I think this book is good and I definitely am going to go check out the next issue because I want to see what's going on with the wife and what she's doing. If she's really cheating on her husband or what's going on. And I want to see the old team, the old, uh, Frederick and his partner back together and see what kind of, uh, stuff they're going to get into. October faction. Number one, IDW publishing three ninety nine book out this week. I'm going to give it three and a half slices of meatloaf. I think it has a lot of potential, but I think it could, I think there's potential also for it to go a step further. And I think maybe with the setup, with a lot of questions being put forth, as those start to be revealed, the book will only get better. And I think this has a huge potential to be turned into a TV series like Mm -hmm. Sleepy Hollow or like whatever other monster (laughs) of the week show that they're going after Mm -hmm. or a really top notch movie. Because I think another variant cover that I've seen of this one totally reminds me of the Adams family. Interesting. Really? Yeah. In that kind of creepy manner type mm-hmm. living space. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So there it is. October faction <laughs> number one. Uh, Matthew, you had mentioned. Yes. Captain America number 25 earlier in the show. That came out last week from Marvel Comics with a surprise appearance of oh. an all new Captain America. <laughs> well, so everybody, you, everybody laughs because Marvel told us who it was months ago. Months. Right? Literally months ago. But, and they've made a big deal about it. Well, yeah, but here's, here's the thing. Now, uh, I do another show on Fridays. It's a live streaming show that you guys can k- check out. In fact, I would encourage you to check it out because it's a call-in show where people get to call in and share their thoughts and ideas and whatnot. And um, Ashley Victoria Robinson, who's one of the writers on the show, co-host of the uh, um, Geek, Geek History uh, Lesson, Geek History Lesson mm-hmm. podcast, and of course, the star of the Red Shirt Diaries. Uh, she was on the show and we were talking. We we're kind of giggling about the fact that we've known who the new Captain America is. But what I like is that the people in the Marvel universe don't know who the new Captain America is. And that's what this story is about, right? To some degree, yes. This is the last issue of a big arc that uh, Rick Remender has been doing. Captain America number 25. Uh, Art is by Carlos Pacheco and Stuart Eminem, two of my favorite guys. And I got to say, this is a weird issue. Why is that? Well, the beginning arc, the first 12 issues, Captain America was sucked into an alternate dimension No, by Arnim Zola no. and spent over a decade in that dimension. Oh, that's where raising everybody got Zola's into. Son. Yeah, 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 that's where the whole thing with Jet Black came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raising Zola's son, Ian, as his own son. So they, they got out of that dimension. Ian didn't, but Cap got out. And took Zola's daughter, Jet Black, <laughs> with him. Jet Black, of course, has been dating the Falcon. Yes, so, and that's that's the part where everybody had a lot of uh, lot yeah, of problems there was, with it. Yes, because she was she was aged uh, prematurely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm not going to get into that. I, uh, you know, That's one way or the other. bag of worms we don't need to dive into. This issue ends the big arc. Uh, at the end of last issue, Zola had a massive bomb set to destroy New York City. The Avengers were there, and the Falcon grabbed the bomb and flew up into the atmosphere, and the bomb went off. And the first four pages of this play like a eulogy. The Falcon falls out of the sky, and Iron Man catches him and comes back down to the ground. And Captain America, who, by the way, has lost super soldier serum and is old, runs over as best he can. And, you know, the body of, of the Falcon is lying there on the dirt. And Captain America and Sharon are talking about how unfair it was. He was such a hero. He didn't even give it a second thought. And then you hear, and I'm not dead yet. <laughs> better than that, you hear the Falcon go, yeah, that dude had it all. He had good looks, charm, a certain je ne sais quoi that made ladies love him. He even had the brains to have Tony make him some vibranium wings, which absorbed the explosion. And the Falcon's not dead. Hooray. Yay. But it's really weird because the first quarter of the book is played like a death scene for the Falcon. Yeah. And then we cut to a really bizarre sequence. Is this where uh, uh, Captain America gives him um, a blood transfusion and that's how uh, the no. Falcon gets Captain America powers? Well, Zola's daughter, G uh, Jet Black, takes off and does her thing. And she's going to be a villain again, which is great because, you know, Captain America needs a villain. And then we get to the point where all of the Avengers are assembled at the mansion. And this page, there's like literally 40 Avengers. And there's this great scene where Spider-Man is, is talking to somebody. He's like, I don't even know who half of these people are. All of the various Avengers teams are there, including that one Avengers team that has 22 guys on it. And the announcement is that Captain America is old and he's stepping down. And also that the Beast ate all the mini chimichangas and pizza rolls. And there's a like a five-page sequence with Hawkeye and Spider-Man trying to outquip each other that ends up being won by the vision, by the way, um, the, the vision discussing how that he cannot eat the mini chimichangas for they emerge from his body like fire. So it's a big fart joke. <laughs> but, and, and then we get to the point where Captain America makes his official announcement of the replacement and the Falcon walks out and he's like, there is literally no drama left in this reveal. You guys knew it was me, didn't you? And that's the that's yeah, the so, so setup of the issue. So mad. Yeah, and that's the great part about it. And then the rest of the issue is basically just character stuff with all of the various Avengers assembled. I like saying Avengers assembled because it's funny. But it's a good issue. And I like the ending and I like the way that they're setting up the new Captain America series starring Sam Wilson. You know, Sam's been around for 45 years now. It's time he gets a shot in the in the big chair with the with the wings and the, the shield. I didn't hate this issue. I I found it weird and odd. It felt kind of like a final chapter, if that makes sense, but also kind of like, you know, that, that coda that comes afterwards, which is weird because a lot of the story stuff that's been going on in this volume is going to carry on to the next issue. So Captain, so Captain, so Steve Rogers, I should say, yes. is still going to be around. He didn't die. No, he's still going to be around. He's going to continue in a leadership role, and she he's going to be part of the Avengers. He and um, Sharon Carter, his girlfriend, and they're going to basically be, you know, supporting and doing the thing that they do. And the new issue of Captain America, the new Captain America series that comes out in a month or two months, same creative team starring the Falcon. 
So I'm, like I say, I'm on board. I think it's a great idea. I've always liked the fact that sometimes you can have somebody else be the character. And, you know, you can make that, that cynical question of how long will this that's, last? That's the cynical question I was just going to ask you. 25, 25 issues, right? Issues. Yeah. I'd say 25 issues, two right. years. And I'm, I'm really fine with that because, you know, when Captain America gave up his shield in 1970 and became Nomad, and the Nomad arc went on. For, shut up. That was great <laughs> comics. Eight months that lasted. Yeah. When Captain America gave up his costume in 1987, 16 months that lasted. I mean, these are not meant to be endless stories. And I, I like the fact that we can do that. We've always been able to do that. I think that if you go in going, well, how long will this last? You're kind of denying yourself a little bit of the fun. Well, but part of me is is always how like, long will let's make Batman it be trip? Well, yeah, let's and make it permanent. You know, that's no what you know. Everybody had the big uh, the big whoop to do when when Doc Ock killed Peter Parker, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he was like, "Oh, he'll come back." And then you know, Dan Slott was like, "No, he's he's not." And everybody got on board and they're like, okay, fine. If you say he's never coming back, we're on board with this. And we actually like this take on yeah. Doc Ock as Spider-Man. And then Don, Dan Slott was like, hee, we got Peter Parker coming back. Hee, hee. <laughs> and, oh, well, there's a new that- movie coming out. Hee, hee. And then everybody got mad and saying, well, God, we wish we kind of had the old Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. I, I and kinda, they kept him around. <laughs> yeah. And now they kept him around. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen here. And that's really the Captain fine. America core. How many people... Can you? I can name four guys off the top of my head right now who used to be Captain America. Nick Fury. Nick Fury was never Captain America. What are you, high? <laughs> the Winter <laughs> Soldier used to be Captain America. The U.S. agent used to be Captain America. Um, the grandfather of the kid from uh, the Young Avengers, the Patriot, used to be Captain America. Yeah. There are a lot of guys who used to be Captain America. I can't think of a fourth one right now, but eventually I'll get around to it. Steve Shut Rogers up. used to be Captain America. You know who used to be Captain America? William Burnside, the Grand Director. Yeah. How about that? Or uh, uh, The Spirit of 76. Wasn't it a rewrite or something where Nick Fury has like Super Soldier Fury, Fury, uh, serum in him? Infinity Formula. Oh, okay. Different? It's a similar but different thing. Oh, okay. All right. And for a while, Steve Rogers is going to be an old guy, and he's going to have a girlfriend, and they're going to hang out and make out at an Avengers. Be, that'll Man. be tough for him to uh, then come back if he's going to be an old guy and oh, then yeah. gets rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. He's going to have a tough time parting my, from that old man world. My real worry is that he won't come back without Sam Wilson getting killed. But I mm-hmm. don't think that Marvel's going to kill off no. one of their highest profile African American. Not, not after the Winter Soldier movie. Yeah, not after. Well, and so you know, now. that's the thing. They killed the last guy, but then they didn't. Bucky is considered dead right now, I believe, because that's what they had to do to get him in out the of movie? the movie. No, in the movie, no, they know in the Marvel he's alive. Universe. Oh, okay. In the Marvel Isn't Universe, he you know the, the comics. Black Widow the running around doing stuff. Yeah, for a while. All right. Black Widow, by the way, uh, dated the Winter Soldier and Daredevil and Hawkeye and Iron Man. Yeah, so I like that. They should play that up. She should be a player. She should go through the Marvel Universe. And like date guys and be a real black widow and then bite their heads off. But nonetheless, Captain America, number 25, three and a half slices of meatloaf, a really strong issue. I like the art puzzling in its construction, a little puzzling in pacing, but it ends well and it has a good kicker at the end. And I think it's going to set off something that could be really enjoyable. Captain America has wings now, kids. Cool. All right, uh, Zach, uh, I want to hear. I forgot that it was on this past week. Yeah, it's man. not the regular series. It's just the movie, right? The- well, technically, 
yes. It's like the first three, ep- three no, it's episodes. It's the first two episodes, oh, two aired episodes. Okay. on Friday of Star Wars Rebels. Oh. Cue the music, but it's just slightly different. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm kind of curious about this. So... Uh, you gotta I be careful. Really... You gotta be... So first of all, I should say I'm yeah. gonna dig this out here. Okay, okay. You gotta be real careful because I've been um, drafted into the Empire's media outlet wing and everything. So anybody who speaks out against the Empire, I can name as an enemy of the state. Uh, <laughs> I have nothing bad to say against the Empire. I think the Empire handled themselves quite. Zach for one welcomes our new robot. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Empire has been great so far. They've been uh, great to the star system and is made for excellent storytelling of rebel scum trying to overthrow what I feel like is... (laughs) Nope, that was just going to be a bad joke. This is my official official hollow net uh, press bag. That's very nice. Uh, So, Star Wars Rebels aired, uh, what was that, October 3rd. Yes. It was... The hour-long kind of shindig thing, which I believe they did for Clone Wars, and they did. They, they did a big one for they did the Clone whole, Wars. Well, here's what they did: they did, they did the, the whole, whole save Baby Java, but then they also released that in the theater. Uh, wasn't that the one with like, um, sweet Mace, Baby Java. Where Mace Windu <laughs> crushed, um, oh, robot boys, yeah, yeah, chest. I remember that. Okay, so this is what the it's the first two episodes of Star Wars Rebels. Uh, you get introduced to all the main players. Yeah. Ezra is our is our is our boy hero yeah. is our is our young one All who right. who has mysterious powers. Oh really? Oh yeah. I wonder if he's yeah. maybe got some uh, midichlorians you know, running around uh, in his body. No, he, he does this a, one thing where he's pushing a, a he's pushing a, pushing, a, pushing a thing and he jumps really high. And the guy's like, "Whoa, that happened." <laughs> <laughs> and, Why are uh, we talking like this? Man? I don't know. It's just fun. Okay. Uh, so main plot of these first two episodes. Our a rebel heist unit is going to steal some things from the Empire. Ezra sees a a chance to make some dough by jumping in and stealing stuff from the M- ooh, from the Empire and uh, from this rebel outfit. They get in a little chasey chase. They join forces. They're all reluctant to take this little kid on, but uh, he ends up being a great big help uh, as they try to because thwart the, the Empire. Force jumping thing. Oh, that he has. Yeah, you know. Just a little jumping. Uh, so is it any good? Because well, I, the, I enjoy it. the eight minute preview that I saw, which was basically Star Wars Aladdin. Here's 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 the thing. If you're gonna watch this, which I, which I do recommend, I, 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 I do want to watch it. I'm gonna I, watch it. I, I, I think if you're a Star Wars I have fan, to watch you'll it. enjoy this film. Is sending me all these yeah, things yeah, like yeah. these wanted posters. And stuff, um, so. the first what would be considered the first episode, like the first twenty yeah. minutes, is honestly kind of rough. Mm. And I say this. Because most of the dialogue for the first for out. the first five minutes is, who are these guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is that kid? Yeah. Who who is that kid? They say who is that kid? I think four times in the first. Are you that kid? No, it is it is nuts. Uh, they do a lot of nods in the first the full the first full chunk. They do a lot of nods to. They literally say a new hope. No, court <laughs> towards the end of the episode. Does anybody say title. I have a bad feeling? Oh yeah, they do say I have a bad feeling about this, yep. don't they? Several times. Yep. Um, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi makes an appearance hey. in the form of a hologram. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so the- so which Obi Wan Kenobi? Like old Obi Wan no, Kenobi, no, no. or is this young like- Obi Wan Kenobi 
sends out this is right after a distress signal saying do not come back to the temple okay cool it is done right it is done yeah cool yeah um so the one of the leaders of the crew kanan is uh not a spoiler he is a jedi Yes, they, that was he set is up a Jedi, and uh, they he has an, he has a feeling that Ezra is, is able to tap into the Force. They never actually say never say midichlorians yet, um, but they have talked a lot about Jedi. He actually talked about uh, towards the end of the second episode uh, or this big first hour. He Ezra asks him what the Force is. Yep, and uh, he's like, it's a thing all around us you can tap into, and it's this cool mystical thing. And uh, so, but Kanan sets like a trap because he uh, he thinks Ezra has the potential to be a Jedi and a, a trap for him to steal this little uh, crystal thing, which eventually he gets kidnapped by the Empire. Ezra, little boy Ezra does. And he does like some meditation, like hovering stuff in a holding cell and uh, opens up this cube through the force and Obi-Wan uh, gives a message through it. And then it's played at the beginning it's in a, like a longer form and kind of gives an explanation of the Jedi have fallen. Don't come back. Yeah. Like we're in, we're in, we're in deep. So uh, it was good. So the, the first, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It got me hyped. And here's the big news is that you can actually get episode three right now free on iTunes. Oh, excellent. Uh, so I watched that before I came over. Oh, good. And I really enjoyed that. There is uh, a lot of character building that is interesting, a lot of different species. And that's what I really like about the Star Wars shows is that they like can expand the universe in different planets and not try to like ham fist it in. I felt like the prequels kind of did. Like they have to jump to all these planets and it doesn't really feel like uh, a reason why all the time. Uh, but I, I like that. They're doing a lot of backstory on the characters and different races that set inside the universe, which is really important now because the EU got dismantled over the summer. Right. So anything they're talking about now is new canon and will dictate the new, like the going ons of everything that's created from now on. Yes, and they have said that Star Wars Rebels does count as new canon. Right. Um, And I got a little scream fanboy. I screamed like a fanboy uh, in episode three because our old good friends... R2 and C3PO show up. It's awesome. And they join the crew. And so they should be on the show uh, going forward. Really? Yeah. (laughs) They join the crew. They're working for the Empire. And they get uh, led on to the rebel ship, which is called Ghost, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I've I've actually got that Lego Lego set. Yeah, I've got the Lego set. I'm going to do a Lego build, hopefully by this weekend. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool ship. And so they're on it, and I thought, oh, they're going to be on for one episode. Like, I'm cool with that. I like R2 and C3PO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're the cool buddy buddies. Uh, but no, I did an episode, like, we're, we're going to help you pretty much. Just pretty much, like, they're they're there. Interesting. So that's pretty exciting. I'm I'm way more uh, in tow with Star Wars Rebels than I kind of thought I would be after seeing some stuff. Yeah. Um, Ezra doing a lot of Force, like, parkour in the third episode was uh, pretty cool. Uh and there's a lot force of core. yeah force core Our and force. the the reveal of Kanan as a Jedi in this second episode is awesome because you know he has a lightsaber and they're gonna they're in like a huge battle that they're not gonna make it out of and he goes he calls some number out to their pilot and as THX 1138 nope nope it's like cricket Order hops 66. 32 or something it's something I don't remember uh 
And Ezra's like, you're going to let us in on the secret of what's about ready to happen? And he goes, kid, I'm about to let everyone in on the secret. Assembles his lightsaber and just goes ape on the Empire. Wow. It's awesome. All right. I'm on. I'm on board. Mason's been asking to watch yeah. it. And I said, no, we're going to wait. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. I enjoyed it a lot. Cool. I'm going to give it four slices of meat. Though. Excellent. Cool. Excellent. Well, you know what we're missing right now? What's that? The Flash. Yeah. Because we're sitting down and recording this episode, we are missing missing the debut of The Flash on the CW, and people generally seem to be pretty excited about the show, from what I can tell. Yeah. For some, for some, like I'm, I'm really happy people are about The Flash, and it's awesome that's being made. But for some reason, like I just like don't care. You have what? no joy in your. Heart. I really like. I don't like. I don't know why. I never got, I never, like when Arrow was announced, I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah, well, Arrow, I think people were, especially uh, the first season. Yeah. I would, you know, there's a lot of really cool things that happen in season one, but overall it's relatively meh. blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say meh, but it's, yeah, sure. it's relatively blah. Don't say meh. I mean, there's some was... really cool things because, I mean, you get the introduction of uh, uh, the Huntress and you get some, uh, some really cool characters that are introduced. Mm. everyone and I just getting started into season two. Everybody yeah. says season two is the bomb. Yeah. And of course that's where we get introduced to the new, um, Barry Allen mm-hmm. who becomes the flash, which turns into this, uh, spinoff series. So I think they say dub bomb, dub bomb, do bomb. I, I really Du-bomb. hope it does well. Like I hope it, I hope it <laughs> they is. They say new bomb, new bomb Turk <laughs> is what they say. <laughs> so, so then Zach, who, who's your favorite DC speedster? Is it Max Mercury, Jay Garrick, um, Johnny quick, Barry Allen, Wally West, uh, Jesse Chambers. I always call her Jesse Quick, but apparently her official name is Jesse Chambers or Bart Allen. That's not her official. This is this is that part of the show where I feel like, man, you're out of your depth. Yep. You need Pretty to go much back. Every you week. need to go back and read Mark Wade. And a lot of people are like, "Well, what about Excess? And what about uh, Kid Flash? And what about blah blah blah?" You're right. I didn't include those. I, I love Mark <laughs> Wade's Flash run from the '90s. And these are everybody that he included in yep. it, with the exception these of These are excess, the classic which he Cyclone Rangers. Yeah, they are, without including uh, the uh, Tornado Twins yeah. or the, uh, what's the uh, Russian? Red Trinity. The Red Trinity, yeah. And Blue Trinity, actually. Did they have a Blue Trinity? Yeah, they had a red and a blue. And I didn't include Professor Zoom. I didn't include, yeah. uh, what's his name, uh, Thawne. Speed Freak. Thawne. Yeah, I didn't include any of those guys. Uh Jet, what's his name? Jet Blue or Midnight Blue or Crystal Blue? Oh, you're talking about uh, uh, John Fox? I should have put it. No, in John Fox was in there, but there was another guy. I remember that guy. His yeah. name was like uh, you Clear need, Blue. You really need to, Zach. You really need to track down I thought, didn't Mark we Wade's run. No, Wade we didn't. We didn't Flash? read any. I don't think we've. Well, we you may have what? read the new Wade Flash, but not is the it 90s in trade? Wade Flash. It probably is. I thought we read like 20 issues of Flash. I don't think we did. If we did, I'm not remembering it. I don't remember doing anything with it, but, yeah. you know. Maybe we didn't. I'm just thinking. Matthew, who's maybe your favorite? I did start reading it. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say Barry Allen. There you go. Because you Sell out. Because it wasn't he in the 52? Yes. <laughs> That's right. Matthew, what about you? Well, the thing that really came out of the Wade run and the Justice Society run that came out at the same time was the idea of Jay Garrick as the elder states. Because right. they, they basically edited out the Golden Age of Superman. He was no longer there. So Jay Garrick at one point was retconned as the first of the costume superheroes. Right, right. And the thing that Wade did with him that was so great was he was just this cool old dude. who, yeah, had, who was basically retired. 
Yeah, he was he was retired occasionally. He'd come out and he'd go for a run, but he had the angles figured out because for seventy five years his brain has been working at incredible speed. He's got this this great wisdom, and he's like, yeah, you know, he's like the ultimate dad figure. So I went with Jay just because, especially in those arcs when you have Wally trying to learn things, and Wally has mm-hmm. his three mentors. He has mm-hmm. Johnny, who's all like, yeah, we're gonna have a Type A Johnny, and then you have Wise Dad Jay, and then you have weird speed guru max yeah i love Max. and eventually they you know i almost picked wally but i had to go with jay because a i really like the idea of an old elder statesman wise character plus that hat yeah yeah nothing like wearing a hubcap on your head the moment where he proved why he wore the hat in wade's run yeah somebody fired an rpg into a building and jay literally ran up deflected it with his hat up into the air so it would explode harmlessly, put it back on, and was like, and now you know why I wear it. You know, a lot of people, I think a lot of people would expect me to say Wally West because I'm always talking about Wally West and how that's the Wally West that I've always known as the Flash and Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. But the only reason I got into, now I was picking up copies of the flash here and there. And I knew, you know, the great sacrifice or the ultimate sacrifice. And, (laughs) and, you know, I'd read a few issues with, with Wally West and all that stuff. But what really, really, really got me into flash and what brought me in was one day just picking up at the, um, at the Gulliver's, uh, tattered covers, picking up this issue written by, um, Mark Wade and Humberto Ramos of impulse. And me going, what in the freaking crap is this? And I think it was like, I, I think I even picked up Impulse somewhere around issue eight or nine. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? And I was like, I got to buy this. This looks really weird. looks like some kind of crazy is going on just because the cover is like everybody in the high school is chasing Bart. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? What the frick is this? And I read it. That issue. And I was like, I'm going back to the store. And I think that day or the, that weekend I went back And I tried to get every single back issue of that I could find. And I'm like, well, you know, he also appears in Flash. I'm like, well, I'm buying this this stuff of Flash. And that's how I started getting into um, Wally West Flash and just saying, oh, this is I can see what's going on here. And then just started reading and reading and reading the Flash and Impulse. And at the time, uh, Legion of Superheroes were my three DC books that I would not miss for anything. Well, Batman. Batman. Um, Batman wasn't really a book. No, it was more like a life series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So if I'm going to pick my favorite speedster, it's Bart Allen. There was something about that impulse run that was just insanely good because you did have this kid that would think faster than he could act. And he's come back in time. Wally doesn't want anything to do with him. Barry's not around. Jay's a little bit too old. So they're like, hey, even older dude who was the yes. very first mm-hmm. speedster in the world. Yeah. Max Mercury, why don't you take him on? Why don't and you know that he's called the Zen master of speed. Why don't you yep. train impulse to control his impulses? And it was a great run between flash and impulse. You're looking at again, one of the greatest flash runs of all time. And I know people say the trial of Barry Allen is really awesome, eh. but I mean, you talk all of Mark Wade's stuff and you've got, yeah. The way run is strong. The holy crap, the way he built up the family, the way he started tying things together, and it was good. But Bart Allen is by far my favorite, uh, my favorite speedster. Yeah. How'd the rest of the major spoilers nation vote, Matthew? 171 votes in the bag right now. And surprisingly, 
51% right now favoring Wally West. Yeah, that's not surprising. 29% uh, Barry Allen and, of course, uh, splitting things up equally. Uh, Jay has 10% of the vote. Mm-hmm. Impulse and Jesse Quick or Liberty Bell. I'm not going to call her Jesse Chambers because you can't use your that's, real name yeah, as a but see, that's name. Yeah, that's what they had her listed as Wikipedia because I was like, oh, Jesse Quick. That's who I know her as. Don't trust the Wiki. I know, but that's her title. <laughs> Open source. Yeah. They're both at 5%, Bart and Jesse. And, of course, poor Johnny Quick and Max Mercury lost to the Mists of History with like two votes apiece. Well, Johnny Quick especially. I think if you were to say which of these is the most recognizable, Johnny Quick would be at the bottom of the list. But ask yourself this, which of these characters was published out of the golden age and not stopping until like 1952? The answer is Johnny Quick. Yeah. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Johnny Quick were the DC heroes that lived through the big uh, end of this, the superhero comics that came at the end of the 1940s. So, you know, it, from, from the perspective of our world looking at their world, Johnny Quick is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Uh, m- much more so than Max Mercury, who appeared in like seven stories of quality comics. He was just like super. I mean, that's one of the things super I'm, I'm super impressed by Mark Wade is his thorough depth of the comic history and characters and their backstory. Because, you know, at one point, Mark Wade's like, oh, yeah, Max Mercury appeared like in one or two issues of this and this from 19 whatever. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just brought that. I just wanted to use that character and put him in the continuity a little bit more. I'm like, holy crap, man, this guy has zero history. Yep. Prior to well, Wade picking him up and then making Quicksilver, him important. Quicksilver was known mostly for the art. I want to say it was Lou Fine art, but mm-hmm. he had he was literally a blank slate. He had no secret identity, had no real you know thing going for him other than he was a super speedster who was acrobatic, which was something that the Flash didn't do and that Johnny didn't do. So right, and of course Marvel's Whizzer, <laughs> the Whizzer. The Wizard. Well, if you go back and read those Wizard stories, those I think are you did a clear retro review of the Wizard ones flash before. Oh yeah. Well, and here's the problem it's, is, you know, I wanted to say Quicksilver, but I couldn't because everybody would think uh, Quicksilver is over there at Marvel. One of, right. another one of those uh, Captain Marvel Quicksilver mm-hmm. kind of things that happen. He's been Max Mercury now longer than he yes. was ever Quicksilver. Yes. yes. His publishing history as Quicksilver was two years in the silver. We, in the we will be looking at some Mark Wade Flash run stuff. Maybe we did. Maybe we did look at a Mark Wade Flash, but nothing up in the nineties. I know that if we looked at like the arc that introduces Bart Allen, mm-hmm. we looked at Born to Run. I believe. Yeah, that's what we did. The first, the first arc, the, which was the the origin of uh, Wally. Yeah, yeah. We need to get into uh, Dead Stop or the one where he travels in time. Well, like I said, if we if we did the one that introduces Bart. That's a pretty good arc right there. Is that the one where I think Barry Professor Zoom is coming back? No, Barry Allen comes back. The return, the return of Barry, of Barry Allen, Allen yeah, is, is like in 76, 77, 78. I wanted to say it was before that, but or after that, but maybe you're right. Because 79 that's what, is the last issue of the Barry Allen arc because it's the issue that I bought. Oh, okay. Because Bart Allen doesn't appear in Flash until issue number 95. 95, yes. Yeah. Impulse's first appearance. Yeah, I know. And it took me forever to track that down. <laughs> I, you know, we're really off the topic here and the show's going to probably be a little bit longer, but when it comes to comic collecting, this is one of the things that Matthew and I talked about at Nerdtacular during the panel before the internet. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to find flash 95, I could only search as far as my car would go or as far as I was willing (laughs) to go to find flash 95. So even though I would travel to every single comic book store in Kansas city and Atlanta when I was down there. And of Mm -hmm. course, when flash 95, even though I had it pulled, they short ordered it, and I was one of the few that did not get that issue, and I was very upset. 
Um, was. but, right. but, um, so it was very hard to find those books, but once the internet came along, especially eBay, now if you're looking and you know, I was just goofing around one day, I was like, you know what? We've been traveling to all these comic book stores. I can't find this. Let me just look on eBay. Oh, there it is for $3. Okay. Bought, <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh, well that kind of took the fun out of the search mm-hmm. of finding old Hopefully. comics. But, uh, yeah, interesting. So anyway, uh, this portion anyway. of the major spoilers podcast brought to our friend by our friends over at tweaked You got to go pick up these, these earbuds. They're great. They're fantastic. Lots I of different have colors on right now. Lots of different colors. Lots. They sound great. Don't they, Matthew? Yeah, they do. Mine are sounds red. like I'm, sounds like we're sitting there right in the room with you. Yeah. It's, it's actually clear. kind of unnerving. Listeners, you can get your hands on a pair of tweaked audio headphones by going over to tweaked audio.com and because tweaked audio is such a good friend of ours and we're so nice to tweaked audio if you use the checkout code major m-a-j-o-r when you check out you're going to get one third off the price that is a deal one third off the price for these great headphones i don't go anywhere without mine in fact now they're sitting in the car because i when i take my son to soccer i don't want to forget them so i can sit there in the car and listen to whatever podcast i'm listening to yeah mm-hmm. And listen Smart to move. it. Well, that or I'm listening to an audiobook. Sure. But Audible's not a sponsor this, sponsor this week, but Tweaked Audio is. Yeah. Tweakedaudio.com. <laughs> Thank you for your support. Ding. So this week we are reading volume two of Gotham. Gotham, Gotham Central. Central. Joker's colon. Oh, man, I remember reading this series when it first came out. And, it's, and I had forgotten, you know, maybe it's the middle arc that I didn't read. But man, when I got into the baseball story again, it all came flooding back into oh. me about, oh my God, what I, it, essentially, um, Bullock's last story. Yes. Oh my God, that hurt. But, this oh. you know, was if you, a lot of people are going crazy about Fatal and the, the big fade out or whatever the new series is. If yeah. you want to read some classic Ed Brubaker and Greg Rucka and Michael Lark stories, mm-hmm. go pick up Gotham Central. Because I forgot, I honestly forgot how freaking good this series was. Yes. I'm, I'm really surprised because (laughs) I'm not a crime comic guy necessarily, unless it's like a crime will not pay and everybody dies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jim Corrigan is in this series. He is. And I'm not really, you know, into the whole Gotham backstory necessarily, but Mm -hmm. this one got me. I mean, I was that the first issue in this arc, the story of the young girl who's a temp who works yeah. for the city, oh, yeah. whose so job good. it is to it's turn easy. on the bat signal yeah. for legal <laughs> legal exculpation on the part of the GCPD so that they don't get in trouble for having summoned the Batman. They have an independent contractor. That moment right there, it was just like, love it. I love that mm-hmm. whole issue. I love the thought process, maybe too much thought process <laughs> that went into can they, should they, will they do this? which I thought was just amazing. And just the arcs got better and better. And the Joker got punched right in the face. Right. With a pistol whip. Yeah. Pistol whip. Whip right in the snow. I just want to say right at the top, we got this on Comixology. Yeah. And you got to read it panel by panel. And I'm reading. Oh, I didn't do that. Oh, you should. I just read my page. Oh, my God. Anyways, uh, the first arc is all about the Joker kind of letting madness reign in Gotham right before Christmas, right? Right, right. And I get to the end. I'm like, okay, that, we're done. Like, that's that was like that was a it was a good arc. Like, I enjoyed yeah. it. It was really awesome. Uh, 
But in this second volume, there's three. It's like 258 yeah. pages, and it was twelve dollars for Comicsology. Yeah, and it was like the biggest steal I've ever had on Comicsology. I do not know why they are not promoting it on Comicsology. They just had a, they actually just had a really big sale. Oh, did they? They okay. had a ninety nine cent sale. Okay, especially with the series that's going on yeah. because. Man, they should make joke of a sec earlier, yeah. Zach. They should make a TV series out of Gotham Central because it's so good. It, oh man! And like, I thought about buying the first volume. You really should. Uh, no, I'm going to. Like, because, there's just I no mean, way you I'm get not. into uh, what's his name, the Phosphorus Man. Well, then you you get, you get the whole story with and, uh, uh, Mr. Freeze, Mr. Freeze, yeah. and everyone, which which is important because at the beginning of this volume, there's like a two page spread mm-hmm. of the like 50 characters yes. that are in. Gotham yes. Central, which is kind of intimidating because you know you're jumping in to the mm-hmm. the quote unquote like middle, mm-hmm. and you're not really getting intro like properly introduced to all the characters really. Uh, so that was kind of intimidating at first, but the way uh, the arcs and each individual's story is kind of broken up into issue, mm-hmm. you really only follow like yeah. two people yeah. for yeah. issue, and everyone else is kind of in. Yeah. Uh, so don't get intimidated by the amount of characters actually the amount of characters that you're exposed to makes it incredible because there's just so many different personalities and stories you're following i I wish rodrigo was here because i know he likes um and i used to love the series as well and i know um scroll brian uh loved uh law and order just because of the way it would follow these different police officers going and helping to solve the crime but then the even better police procedural back in the day was um, Homicide, Life on the Streets, which is, if you haven't seen that show, oh, Zach, heard of it. holy crap, that was a good, good series. Essentially, it takes place in the same universe as um, Law and Order. In fact, uh, Munch actually moves from one series to the other. Yeah. And, um, and it basically follows a team of police detectives doing their job in Baltimore. And it feels very much like this book. Mm. And this, you're right, there are a lot of characters to follow, but each book that you're looking at is following a team or two Mm -hmm. along their path and along their journey, and and they all intersect with one another at some point. There's a crap ton of character development that that goes on. And Um, everybody gets their moment, which is wonderful. Yeah, Yeah. everybody gets their moment, including characters like Renee Montoya, who, when you talk about the Gotham City Police Department, most people know three people, Jim Gordon, Renee Montoya, and uh, Bullock. And those are the people that, that people know from Batman the Animated Series and mm-hmm. other mentions in other TV shows. But there's also Crispus Allen uh, that's here in this series as uh, Montoya's partner. Or, yeah, um, one of them. And, um, and of course, there's a Jim Corrigan reference because he's over at the crime scene investigating. Jim Corrigan is the Spectre, in case you didn't know, Zach. Mm-hmm. Um, although the Spectre does not make an appearance in here. No. No. Well, it helps. Uh Chris Attucks is also the uh, speculator. Chris Allen. Yeah, Crispus later on. Yeah, because he, you know, spoiler alert, Zach, at some point towards the end of Gotham Central, mm-hmm. uh, Crispus Allen gets shot. Oh. And the, he is offered the role of the, uh, what is it, the left hand of God, the vengeful fist of God or whatever that he is, <laughs> the right hand of God. The right hand of darkness, something yeah, like that. Uh, to go and avenge uh, the, the wrong and the wicked. So everyone just gets shot in this book then. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, there's, well, there's a lot of Well, most of them do get superpowers too. Oh, do they? I forgot about that. Well, Renee is the new question. That's well, yes. Chris well becomes the new Spectre. Yes. Harvey Bullock is actually the new Ragman. No. <laughs> okay, he's uh-huh. the old Ragman. I don't know. Yeah, that's the a new question. bouncing boy. No. Um, 
But here's the thing that, here's the thing that I think, here's what the TV series is not working at that this series does really well. The police are in their own vector. They're doing police work. They're doing detective work. They're doing these other things. And occasionally the Batman tangent will hit up against them. And so occasionally there will be a, an appearance or two by Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman, I think, has less than five lines of dialogue in this whole book. Yeah. And he's only in the first arc. And he's only in the first arc. Yeah. The Joker is only in the first arc, but only in the last three issues of that first arc. Yeah, two issues of that me. arc. Yeah. Then you've got a uh, Mad Hatter story, which is really kind of cool. But again, he's played as a suspect, not the criminal mastermind twirling his mustache mm-hmm. in the corner mm-hmm. and and doing everything. And then you have a uh, Mr. Freeze makes an appearance, but that's only because of the holdover from a court case that uh, right. he's dealing with. And then I forget. Penguins uh, in there. Penguins in there just as the owner of the Iceberg Lounge who yeah. really gets caught up in the Harvey Bullock story as a. <laughs> nothing to do with anything. Yeah, nothing to do with anything. But it works because you know that these characters are in this universe, but the penguin doesn't have to be the central story. The central story is about these police detectives Mm -hmm. and what's Mm -hmm. going on in their lives, whether it be a mother who is a night shift detective and she's missing her son's uh, performance as the first chair violin at the Gotham Orchestra. So good. That moment is so good. When they, they're driving along and her partner has been telling her all day, go, go to the performance, go to the performance. They're in the middle of an investigation. She's like, you're going the wrong way. He's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and then he bulls his way in and shows his ID as part of a investigation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love uh, those are the moments that, you know, first of all, that's a terrible misuse of power. Yeah, but, but it was for the right reason. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that I love about it so much is they've they've spent you know what an issue kind of bickering back and forth, and then he gets to do this incredibly sweet, generous thing for her, and also kind of be a, a headstrong jerk. It's such a great character mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. for both of them. Well, but even the um, even the Sarge story, you know, he wants to be yeah. uh, their um, yeah. their shift commander is killed uh, by uh, a Joker's bomb. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Sarge once was hoping that he was going to be promoted up to, to shift manager, but he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And he's going through some things and, and there's just these little moments where he's just contemplating everything, going through his morning, kissing his wife goodbye, just, you know, going through these motions, kind of numb to the world. And then he's right back into it. And they're like, Hey partner, let's go investigate this because we need to do this because we're the good guys. And he's boom, right back into it. And he's okay with everything, mm-hmm. or at least we think he's okay with everything. And then of course, for those people who know Harvey Bullock, and you and they followed his story for decades over in, in Batman and Detective Comics when he was kicked off the force for being involved in the murder of a suspect, among other things. Um, he gets his kind of final wrap up, which is a very tragic story. Yes. Yes. That was that was a real even if you're not if you don't know much about the backstory of Bullock, if you if you're just reading this. Yeah. Uh, it's the, which I which I don't really know much about the character besides a couple animated episodes right, right. and everything and the Gotham show I guess. It's still just an emotional piece watching yeah. someone have to struggle with seeing the travesty that he saw with the bombing at the high school mm-hmm. and then uh dealing with that for what eight years yeah. and then uh, uh it kind of unraveling in a way he really didn't want to happen because he kind of 
he wanted closure on it, but he wanted it in a way right. that wasn't going to unfold for him. Right, right. He, he did not want the closure that he got. No. And oh my God, that's heartbreaking. And you know, I, I, I looked at that sequence and I remember Bullock from old, old, old school comic reading. And I'm like, wow, I, I can't believe that they're doing this with Bullock. And then I'm like, I'm so glad that they're doing this with Bullock. Mm -hmm. Because with any other character, it would have felt maybe too melodrama. Right. It would have felt like over the top. But the fact that Harvey Bullock had actually sunk to that level, wow. That that was that was hard to read. Yeah, it was. I'm, but... I mean, these are procedurals. Yeah. They, they run the way you would expect a TV show to run, which is the yep. reason why when they announced Gotham <laughs> and they were focusing on the police department, so many people were like, oh, Greg Rucker, are you getting a Ed Brubaker? Are you guys getting a cut of this? And they're like, it's not based on anything we wrote. Right. You know, maybe there's some characters there, uh -huh. but it's not the same story. And it's not the same story. Mm -hmm. This is, what I, this is what I, this is what I, God, reading this again makes me say, this is what Gotham should be. Yeah. And maybe that's what it'll eventually become maybe. after the whole hubbub of introducing all I the mean, new characters and getting everything settled down. Yeah. Then maybe it'll all. But I would maybe like in coming seasons, like I, I can't yes. see, I can't see the show unfolding this no, way no, to no. season one, just no, the way no, it's no. been set up. But, uh, cause the emphasis on just the police department and not super people. Yes. Like no one yes. with powers, no one that's mm -hmm. crazy maniacal, really like, cause the Joker, the Joker issues are great. Even though Joker's not in it. Uh, but you get to that second half of this volume yeah, yeah. where it's mainly just police work. Right. Like a girl gets dumped in a dumpster. Right. Stuff like that. That was and actually a really good one. Yeah. I that was good. That, that was a good issue. Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, you're just, you're just, it's all about the characters. It's mm -hmm. not, uh, mm -hmm. fist, fisticuffs and trying to figure out what the Riddler is meaning. It's just these people having to deal with uh, the crappy city of Gotham and how it really just wrecks their lives. It doesn't. It's not about uh, the next big plot by uh, Mister Freeze to freeze something or whatever he does. Exactly. Yeah, it's how that affects these people. And it really made me want to like not really like care about Batman anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Batman showing up in those first issues for a couple panels mm -hmm. was like just the right amount. Like yeah. I didn't want Batman in this at all. Yeah. No, and then and that's what it should be, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's what this should be is when the police have to call in Batman, they call him when they are desperate. Right. Most of the other time, they're not calling him in for every little every little crime. Mm -hmm. They have smart people to do that. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, uh, man, this is good. What do you, what do you think is, about the uh, Michael Lark art? This is probably the best I've ever seen Lark. Um, because there, there are points on his run on Daredevil where he goes experimental. And don't get me wrong, I love it when an artist experiments with a new style and is willing to do things that, you know, go off on new tangents and find new ways to work with it. But I feel like this may be his strongest, his most solid overall work. You can always tell who's on the page, even if the character has a similar design. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there are a couple of characters who are very well, similar in design. Because he gives everybody something unique. This guy has a pipe. Yep. This guy yep. is this way. This guy is right. that way. Yep. And 
the just you know the moments the really the thing that really sells it are those quiet moments mm-hmm. like the moment where detective Procknow is is just tearing up watching her son mm-hmm. or the you know that quiet moment where one cop has just died and the other cop comes in to talk to that dead cop's partner yeah. and they have their moment she's clearly crushed he's trying to keep up her spirits and there's just, oh my mm-hmm. god that whole just the blocking and the facial expressions the, in that uh, felt so real. Opening up the second volume at the funeral of the mm-hmm. officers was fantastic. Yes. That what three pages of yes. silence? Yeah, Sarge it's- getting ready in the morning, mm-hmm. and then the uh, detective having the conversation with the old news reporter in the cafe. Yeah, yeah, was great. This is how strong it was. The Joker appears in these pages and doesn't completely destroy the down-to-earth, gritty, mm-hmm. realistic Oh, yeah, deal. I just love it. And I forget the character's name, but he's just like, uh, can you give me, here? here's my badge, here's my gun, let me go in and interrogate the suspect. And uh, they're like, uh-huh. yep, go ahead and do it. And he just picks up the phone book, goes in there, and starts wailing on the starts Joker. Now, beating on the Joker. And of sadly, course you know, Joker, Joker it takes does off. the Joker thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, he does the Joker thing, but it's such a, just a, ah, it's interesting to see them playing with, you know, cop show and cop movie tropes in a world where they admit that Batman exists. Right. Where the well, supervillains exist. They don't officially acknowledge that yeah. he exists. <laughs> yes, but, you know, yeah, right. they, they have a thing on the roof that summons him. That's, that's just a and deterrent. They, they hired a girl specifically whose job is to turn it on. That's just a deterrent to make the, 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 the cowardly lot uh, run away. I do love the layout of this issue, yeah, the way the yeah. assemblage is. Yeah. Because you get, you get that one issue entryway of, what is her name, Candy? Mm-hmm. Uh, Stacy. Stacy. You get Stacy's issue where she's daydreaming about making out with Batman. <laughs> and then you get the, the four-issue arc with all the violence. And then you get the Joker arc. And then you wrap it up with that terrible, terrible Bullock arc that just hurts so bad. I, oh. Oh, I love the way this issue. This I was trying to find it's in the it's it's in the final arc of the book. I was trying to find the page and the panel where um he goes in to talk to the new um shift commander saying, Hey, can I take on this ten year old yes. case and see mm-hmm. if I can do it? And then he goes, Well, how's your caseload? He goes, Oh, it's doing okay. And they flash up to uh, his case logs up there and there's like the Dio and like all of these other uh, DC <laughs> creators and, and yeah. <laughs> people that work there is very funny to see yeah. those up there. And it, that, that moment ends with the new boss going, Hey, don't try and play me. Yeah. I would have said yes. That, anyway, that's, that's a cool moment too. I mean, when you break the whole thing down, it, this is really interesting kind of workplace drama. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, one guy disappears, you get a new guy who comes in, everybody has to get used to working for the new guy. And the new guy may be a hard nose or he may just be a good guy. It's it's really fascinating to you get to the point in this book where the emotional well-being of one fat cop is as dramatic as whether Batman will find the Joker and yeah. stop his latest plot. That I mean, that's saying something in a comic book story. And I gotta say, I like the artist's take on the Joker. Yes, I think it looks really well. It's not a crazy um, Starenko <laughs> Joker, but it's also not this uh, deranged Joker that we see. You know, the long faced Joker that we see mm-hmm. in um, um, not the last, no, what, not killing the joke? La- killing joke. 
It's not like that. It's mm-hmm. somebody that's just a person that yeah. looks normal. Even uh, the penguin doesn't yeah. really seem like yeah. his features aren't like played up to almost humorous level. It's just like a guy almost. Yeah. Yes. I like the penguin here. I feel like the, yeah. they've made the penguin too round and pointy and goofy. This penguin is somebody that you believe is a crime czar. This mm-hmm. penguin is somebody that, yes, he gets beat up on panel, but you believe that this man has the sauce to have the guy who beat him up whacked as soon as he walks out the door. Yeah. This is a book that makes you talk like you're in a crime story yourself. She. Watch the bird's tell eye me, low tell down. Tell me you wouldn't want to see this as a live action, Zach. Oh, uh, I won't tell you that. I mean, I would love to see this happen. Um, is the reason why we can't have this because of homicide life on the streets and because of the wire and because of um, special victims units and CSIs ha- have, have yes. the police procedurals ruined yeah. telling us this uh, Gotham central story? Well, there's, there's just too many of them right now. Like the idea of there being another one that's just police procedural in a different town with a different color palette is like, like that is just a, such a turnoff. And so you have to come at it from a way of, uh, Oh, it's that, but Batman's here and it's actually a comic and there's these crazy but, things. But if you look at Gotham on TV, they are desperately vamping to give us the comic book elements because yeah. a police procedural in a comic book is a novelty. This is a story that could be told with Chris Noth or with, you know, Richard Belzer on Friday nights, but it takes place in the DC universe. That's what makes it unique amongst mm-hmm. its peers. This on TV oh, yeah. is just no. is just NCIS. This yep. is, you know, and you have to, and they are they are desperately trying to remind us of what their hook is. And their hook is this is a comic book style story of the police procedural in the Gotham television show. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is a police procedural television style done in a comic. It's just like, you know, the Avengers movie is a big superhero comic done as a film. Right. If you take a big film and do it as a superhero comic, you get, you know, what is it from Marvel? The, uh, the Ultimates 3, which was god-awful. You know, it, it's, it's the give and take. This works because it's taking everything you know about – NCIS about, you know, right. your police procedurals, your homicide, your Sale Street Blues, and giving it to us in a world where also the Huntress is here. Yep. But if you put that on TV, you can't you can't throw in that also the Huntress is here. Yeah, you which could. Which is why we Well, and then we get Fish Mooney. Well. Mugging that's and what I'm chewing you the just, scenery you get- and being what people expect of a quote unquote comic book character I, I on like TV. A, a couple of people have agreed with me that she's just chewing. The, somebody sent me a tw- tweet the other day or an email the other day saying that they agreed that uh, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith is chewing the scenery even worse than William Shatner ever did. <laughs> oh, snap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's high praise. <laughs> but see, I think you could have a story where here's somebody who has mob connections in his family. Huntress shows up at his door. They have a conversation and she leaves. Mm hmm. I think you can do that, and pe- some but people would be some people would be like, "What was that about?" And then you just say, eh, "It's a comic book." And yeah. Shrug your shoulders. The, the, the problem. Read is, more about it in DC so, Comics like, at fine bookstores everywhere. If you tell this story on TV, you're telling it in a time frame where Batman is, right? And so, like, 
to put Batman in. So you you go to an executive. Yeah, it's like, yeah. hey, 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 we're gonna make this police procedural in Gotham. Like, oh, cool, Batman's in Gotham, right? Batman's only going to be in it for five seconds. They're right. like, no, like dude, no. get out of that's, my office. That's <laughs> actually the way that they would have to approach it. The same reason right. how they got Smallville made. Well, it's about uh, Superboy, right? Yes. Well, you can't use any capes or tights. Okay. Well, we'll tell a story that talks about a kid with superpowers that never puts on a costume. But right. that's also how we got birds of prey, which was a Batman story with no Batman in it. Well, he was and there got in a canceled, shadow. Got shadow canceled cameo. nine issues in. You I, know. Know. I didn't even make nine issues. I thought it got like an issue and a half or an episode and a half. Dude, I don't know. I didn't watch that mess. <laughs> but, you know. Well, so let me ask you, what is not to like about this this series? Is there the, anything that you can think of that is not good about this series? For me, the only real weakness, I think that the thing that could be off-putting to a reader is that when you get to the first page, there's a list of 22 main characters or 22 mm-hmm. players. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then again, I mean, if you go and watch Homicide Life on the Street, they you got 15, 12, 15 guys. Yeah. yeah. So I think that, you know, it it's it may be hard to jump into the middle of it. And there are moments yeah. like when the Huntress appears, it's kind of like, oh, right, Huntress. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, even even that I think is handled pretty well. I, I think this is a really successful – this collection and this right. series are a really successful thing. No, I, I think Matthew's right with the amount of characters saying that. Obviously, I felt that when I first uh, opened this volume up. Um, but it didn't pose as much of a problem as I thought it was. There were some times I'm like, okay, who's this? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I'll just power through it because yeah. names. Yeah, like, yeah if you don't know who, yeah, if you don't know really... who Maggie Sawyer is and what her right. relationship is to Superman and, and you're all gonna that, be then okay. you're gonna be, yeah. you're gonna be okay. And you're gonna read this volume. You're gonna want to read the first volume anyway. Yeah, yeah. So you might as well just read the first volume and get all the backstory right there, and then get into <laughs> this one. There you go. All right. So bottom line, Zach. Bottom line, this was fantastic. Uh, yeah. I love this so much. It was it was utterly beautiful. Uh, I just want to say the coloring by Lee Lowridge was unreal. When they would go crazy and they, every like he'd splash red in the background, like when mm-hmm. Joker grabs the detective and is about ready yeah. to kill him and nothing. Uh, it goes like from this what you would see like in like a fluorescent light bulb color yeah. into this just red, and it is just beautiful. Like yeah, this yeah. this comic is utterly amazing. You should go pick it up right now. Is uh, it's just so good, Matthew? <laughs> oh yeah, rush right out in a buying frenzy. This will be one of the rare times that you hear me sell you a book in the Batman universe with gusto and joie de vivre. This is awesome stuff. Cool, and I agree with everybody else. Go buy this book. Go buy the whole series. Um, write your congressman and say get CW on this series right now. Congressman, this, is a, this actually is probably a little bit too violent for no. network television. Showtime. It needs to be a. It needs to be an. AMC. FX, AM- AMC. AMC needs a new series. Showtime. Everything's ending. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Is it? Okay. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for listening. If you've got any questions, just send them to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Don't forget to check out our website, majorspoilers.com. Follow us at Twitter at majorspoilers and all the other places that you can follow us. Uh, we got a Facebook page. Hey. Oh, we've had it for a while, but now it's much easier to find us. Facebook.com slash majorspoilers. Look at that. Woo-hoo! Somebody uh, wrote to us the other day and said, Stephen, how come you don't have a Roku channel yet? Oh, dear listener. Oh. Hey, oh, what the? Yeah, hey, oh, what hey, the? Oh, news to me. Yeah, it's news to everybody because hey. I secretly Why would contacted someone's channel. Because we can, because we have so many people out there in the world who are our mm. friends and our fans hey. and who support us by being major spoilers VIPs, who use our Amazon store link, who uh, buy the tweaked audio headphones, 
who, what else, uh, buy stuff through our major spoilers.bigcartel.com hey, ma- store. New Critical Hit Dice Bag. Oh, New Critical Hit Dice Bag, very that's nice. right. They look like pajamas. They do kind of, I like that. <laughs> I kind of like yeah. it, it's kind of cool. Can uh, we get Critical Hit Pajamas? Did you well. see what I saw? What'd you see? I went to Slash Loop today and I started to play around and they're like, hey, you want to order a shirt in your size, fat guy? And I'm like, hell yeah, they, I want a shirt. they have it in 5X now? They do. Well, there you go, listeners. Go get a Critical Hit t-shirt. Go get a Major Spoilers t-shirt. I don't know if we have Kablamicus over there. Maybe we do. Oh, I think I we have Kablamicus. Look, look, Matthew. I think we I do. I want a Kablamicus shirt. Look look and see. I think there's a Kablamicus shirt uh, over at SlashLoot.com. And let us look under t-shirts. T-shirt. And let's look under Major God, Spoilers. Critical Hit logo. Critical Hit. Bizarre. What? Uh, we're going to get a... We're gonna get a uh, we'll get a... Uh, We'll get a Kablamicus shirt over there. We'll get a whole bunch more shirts over there at SlashLoot.com. Thank you, everybody, for your support and for your dedication to Major Spoilers. And as long as you are there supporting us, we will be there generating content for you week after week after week. Next week, I think I've got an interview lined up that will answer the question, why is Hollywood so dumb? (laughs) Why is Hollywood so dumb? Why is Hollywood so dumb? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and hey, what's the deal with Hollywood? And, I mean, are they dumb? And we may also get the question answered. Why does this stupid Play-Doh channel, which isn't affiliated with Play-Doh or Disney, why does it have 25 million views per video? That question's a little bit longer. That one's a little bit and longer. In title. But we're going to try to answer it hopefully <laughs> next week. Okay. Because we know that you love comics and Hollywood and movies and Play-Doh and everything else. And we do too. We'll talk with you soon. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such a chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler. If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron, I might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fun, being the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler, what a major spoiler, yeah, 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 what a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. Major Spoilers is copyright 2014.